When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to Argyle Chat. Joining us to look back on Saturday's match with Scunthorpe, relegation and a nightmare season all round for Argyle are Chris Harrington and Jack Ball. Hi, guys. Hi, Stuart. You've excited us with that intro. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to keep it upbeat and positive, but it's a little bit difficult this week. Um, and a special warm welcome to Paddy Cording, who's our guest this week. Hi, Paddy. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us, Paddy. That's all right. Thanks for having me again. Pleasure. Pleasure. Um, well, Paddy, I guess you can try yeah. and sum up the feelings of the Green Army right now. Not the... Uh, not where we want to be. No, absolutely. Painful, absolutely. painful to see it all end, especially on goal difference, but that's football, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's interesting, actually, because you came in and, and made a comment that Jack had made to me, to me earlier in the day. Had our goal not lost 5-1 at Scunth- uh, Accrington, rather, and only lost 2-1, they would have been safe. Yeah, those three goals really messed us up. But over the last nine games, we had a goal difference of minus 15. So... You know, there were a few games where we lost by quite a few goals, so any one of those games you go from losing three nil to two nil or two nil to two one, mm. you know, where players didn't score goals and probably should have, it could be a completely different outcome today. And we'd be looking at League One football again next year, but unfortunately, yeah, that's not how it's ended and I suppose we just go again next year and try again. Yeah, Jack, you can look at the league table and look back at fixtures throughout the season and you know highlight so many occasions. But one thing that was becoming apparent towards the end of the season was the fact our goal just kept conceding too many goals, didn't they? Conceded one and then mm. one soon became two and three and that ultimately cost them. Yeah, and it was, it's bizarre really because if you look back at Derek Adams' tenure, I think, across the last few years, defence has always been quite a strong part of his game. You know, He, he had a very good solid back, back four, back five, if you include the goalkeeper. Obviously, losing Sonny Bradley in the summer. I, re- I remember saying in the podcast at the start of the season that oh, it's easy to find decent centre-backs. It's hard to find free strikers, and I've been proved wrong on both counts because I've got a free striker that's got 19 goals, and we couldn't find a decent defender to save our lives. So, um, But yeah, it is the defensive side which has really let our guard down this season, and I think really that's possibly one of the reasons why Paul Watton maybe had to go because he was in charge of defence last season. I think he was in charge again this season. And they just struggled. That when when they conceded the first goal, the heads really did drop, and they just looked like such a lack of fight. And it was just sad to see, really. I don't know how it really got to that stage. Mm. Chris, is it too easy to pin the blame on the defenders? I mean, you came in and said, was it eighty goals conceded in eighty 46? goals conceded in forty six games? You you're always asking for trouble when you concede that many goals. And I mean, even against Scunthorpe on Saturday, um, attacking wise, the play the the play was good, but you know Scunthorpe could have scored virtually every time they went forward. It was. Um, was some poor defending at times and that has been their Achilles heel all season. I, I did a piece last week when I reflected on on events and you know you look back to even pre-season and the 5-1 defeat at Yeovil uh, two Saturdays before the start of the season. You know there's no way a League One club should be going to a League Two team that close to the start of the season and conceding five goals even, mm. even if it's in a pre-season game. So I suppose alarm bells 
should have been ringing. Um, Jack mentioned about Paul Watton. Paul Watton was never a defensive coach. He was a first-team coach and then assistant manager. I'm sure he did work with the defence, but I'm sure the other coaches did as well. So um, I wouldn't blame Argyle's defending on Paul Watton. I think you know that's a collective managerial team thing that um, they would have worked on. And just on the relegation itself, I mean, I've tried not to think about it too much because it's not exactly a great thing to think about. But um, looking back at the relegations that I've seen Argyle have over the years, um, the first season I covered Argyle for the Herald um, was 97-98 and they were relegated on the last day of the season at Burnley. That was a season, and Paddy won't be old enough to remember this, I'm sure, but um, Argyle had Dan McCauley in charge. There was so much turmoil off the pitch that season. It was untrue. You know, Dan McCauley was threatening to maybe even close the club down. There was no money. There was all sorts of things that went wrong that season. And it was almost inevitable they were relegated that year. The back-to-back relegations out of the Championship into League Two were in the lead-up to and during the, the whole financial uh, meltdown that led to the club being administration. So you could argue those two relegations, it was almost inevitable as well. This relegation, when Argyle were 12th on March the 12th and had the likes of Carey, Lemires, a free-scoring goal, free goal scorer like Freddie Ladapo, there's no way that it should have come to this. So this is why I, I find this relegation a bit harder to sort of accept because it was avoidable. Mm. And now you can go around and point fingers of blame at whoever you like. Derek Adams, Paul Watson, the board, the players. You, there's a million and one people that you can uh, point out a blame. I think when you get relegated, it's a collective thing. Football's a team game. And, and I think there's lots and lots of people that could have done things better and differently. But it was definitely... Uh, the only what I would call really avoidable relegation that I've seen Argyle have, and the yeah. fact they were twelfth, what March the whatever March it was, 12th, yeah. and, and they were twelfth in the table. Is, is, is well, it, it, we were chatting earlier on. Remember watching the EFL show with um, and, and Colin Murray. You know the the table was so tight at the time. I think there was like four points between about eight or nine teams. And Colin Murray actually said, "You know, I'm going to rule Argyle out. They're going to be safe." And Paddy, we had you on the on the podcast around that time. I think it was was it after Fleetwood or before Fleetwood? It was just before Fleetwood. Nine games to go. Yeah, and nine we games agreed to go. six points and we're safe. And in those nine games, we were winning two one against Bristol, letting a ninety first minute equaliser. We were two one up against Blackpool and letting a ninety second minute equaliser. And then we won on Saturday, which is five points. And we were right, six points, and we would have been safe. Yeah. But it, though, it's costly mistakes in those two Blackpool and Bristol games have really ruined the season for us. But it, that's three games out of nine. The other six, we went on to lose, and some of them to clubs which we shouldn't be losing to. When you say you've got the likes of Lemires, Carey and Ladapo, you shouldn't be letting teams around us be picking us apart like Accrington did. And... Yeah, we we had so many chances to seal games and we just didn't. And it's yeah. easy to forget that, you know, because the defence was so poor at times, that put so much pressure on the front three to try and score goals because scoring one goal wouldn't have been enough for yeah. our goal to win games. And you can't be going into games needing three goals to get a win. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know what the stats are. Chris, you might remember it off the top of your head. 80 goals conceded. How many were scored in 46 games? Do you know? Oh, that's... <laughs> Put you on the spot, man. 50... Was it 50? It was minus goal difference was 24, wasn't it? 56. So 56, yeah. yeah. So yeah. The, the goal difference was 24, <laughs> so yeah. 
Paddy's maths, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, you made some interesting points a minute ago, Chris. I'm just going to read a couple mm. of comments we've had from, from readers. Mm. Dave Searle, do you think the defensive signings, including the goalkeepers, were the ultimate reason we got relegated? Do you think we can bounce back up, or is that down to what players come in in the summer? Before we answer that one, there's another one from Simon Taylor, because he said not just the player and manager are to blame, also the board has to take the blame as well. And no, I don't think our goal bounced straight back up with this bunch they have at the moment. Uh, it all depends on what, what uh, on what manager comes in and what players he will bring in and if the board gives him the money to spend. That kind of reiterates what you said, really. It's a collective thing. It's not down to, you know, the defence. So yeah, Dave's, Dave's question, do, I, do we think the defensive signings, including the keepers, were the ultimate reason we got relegated? I think it's a bit harsh to say that it was the sole reason because if the attacking players had scored more goals, um, you know, uh, it wouldn't have come to that but the the defence was weak it was definitely the uh, Achilles heel of the team but um, I think Ruben Ramirez had a great spell sort of January, February, March time but um, didn't contribute as much as I'm sure he would have hoped uh, in, in April time um, so uh, football's a team game I think it's, it's sometimes difficult to, to pick out individuals the defence wasn't good enough but I don't think the attacking play was that good I mean Paddy gave the stat about the goal difference, didn't you? Was it minus 15? Minus in the, 15 in the last nine games. And how many goals did Argyle score in those games? You know, off the top of my head, it wasn't many. Mm. The goals dried up as well. So, do you think you can bounce back? It's way too soon. We've got no idea who the manager's going to be or what the squad's going to be in um, in August. Uh, you hope they bounce back, but you've got no idea, have you, Jack? And what, what I will say is, I, was, I said this to you mm. off, off the podcast a little mm. while ago, it really annoys me, one of my bugbears is when people say League 2 is a hard league to get out of. As mm. I pointed out, it's statistically the easiest league to get out of because mm. there are more promotion places. So um, that argument really annoys me, mm. <laughs> as you know. Yeah. And, and Simon said, you know, um, it all depends on what manager comes in and what players he'll bring. Yeah, and that, I totally agree with that. If the ball gives him money to spend to get some decent players. Um, it's always difficult when you get relegated to then start spending money on, on players. You've got to find that, that balancing act between mm. you're inevitably going to lose revenue in terms of uh, central funding and smaller gates. And, and so how do you equate that falling revenue with investing in, yeah. in, in players and things like that? It's, you've got to find a, a balancing act. So, um, you know, unfortunately, we're going to have the whole of the summer where we can dwell on um, what Argyle need to do to try and get themselves out of... Uh, out of lead to next season but clearly there's all, an awful lot of questions to, yeah. to, to deal with well another one of course is what happens with the players that are under contract at the moment I mean you know uh, Freddie Ladapo as you say he scored goals in League One there yep. was interest back in January yep, from Sunderland exactly so um, you know, you'd imagine as he's carried on scoring throughout the rest of the season that there's going to be further interest in him over the summer well he's a 19 goal striker for a League One team that, that got relegated so I think you can look at getting a good price for him in the summer um, he is under contract so that helps Argyle from a selling point of view that they, you know, they can sort of command the fee I don't know what what Paddy feels but I would you know I would listen to the to the highest offer you can get for him uh, and sell him provided a large part of that sum of money that you get from him a fee is then reinvested in the team might be unrealistic for it all to go back into the team but you know yeah. uh, if you sell him and reinvest quite a lot of that into the team then I think that's the right way to go what do you I, think? I don't think we can afford to lose him I think mm. if you lose Carey and Lemirez the fans are going to be mm. devastated with that mm. especially when you look at Carey was our player of the season two years ago mm. Lemirez has been our player of the season this year mm. 
and then you go, and then you go and sell your top goal scorer, who was the sixth highest scorer in League One this year. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can. No. No, we lo- when we lost Ruben Reed, mm. we were gutted. Mm. When we lost Jamil Matt, we were gutted. Mm. And now if we go and lose another fantastic striker, mm. it's just going to be more upset. And then but, he's trying to bring in another player to gel with another bunch of lads. And I think that's what Derek Adams' problem's been for the last three years. We always get off to a slow start. We hit Christmas, we're bottom of the league, we're doing pretty poor, and then we bounce back. We, get, we had a playoff run last year, and the reason for that, I think, when I was in Oxford earlier in the year for the away game, someone said to me, we're bottom of the league, we're doing awful. You guys were in this situation a few uh, last last year. What happened? How did you bounce back? And I said it was simple. The players just connected and gelled, and it took Adams four and a half months to get them to start playing great football together. And then we went on like an 18-game unbeaten streak. I think if you're constantly changing the core of the team, you're never going to be able to start a season well and finish a season well. I would agree with that last point, Paddy, definitely. I would I would argue that you're better off selling Ladapo, getting a lot of money for him, and reinvesting that in four or five players rather than keeping a player who probably thinks, hang on a minute, I've got 19 goals in League One this season, or 18 technically in one of the cup game. Um, I don't want to be playing in League Two, I want to be playing in League One. He might even think, having scored 19 goals this season, he might even think, I'd like to be playing in the Championship. Yeah, so I would, I would invest, me personally, but I get exactly where you're coming from. As long as it's for the good of the squad, yeah. you can get a well, number of players. It's interesting because Jack and I, we were actually talking about this earlier, weren't we? And I said, you know, I think maybe one of our goals, not, not problems, so to speak, but I mean, it's obviously their choice as to how they go about their business, but perhaps not selling players when they have the opportunity to do so and reinvest in the money that they make from those sales in other players and you know other areas of the club in order to go forward you know Kerry could have been sold at the prime you know say two years ago which obviously wouldn't have gone down well with fans which is but, goes back to Paddy's point yeah, yeah, there would but, have been an uproar but at the end of the day yeah. a club like Plymouth Argyle is mm. not buying club it's a selling mm. club it has to make money in order to survive doesn't yes. it yeah. well where, so, where would well, you stand on for, for me normally I would have agreed with Paddy but I think the point now is well firstly Argyle don't tend to have much success when they have a striker that scores lots of goals with Ruben Reid we had a striker that scored 20 goals for multiple seasons and they couldn't get promotion from League Two. Um, they've now had Freddie Ladapo, who's scored 19 goals and they've got relegated from League One. Argo have tasted success when they've had a better all-round team. And I think that if you got offered 850,000 a million, just say, for Ladapo, I think that money, if it is given mm. to the team, could be spent to really strengthen the team. My worry is, if Argo turned down a bit of 800,000, keep Ladapo you're relying quite a lot on one player when you could you could spread that money across and mm. perhaps try and make a, a push of promotion. And bearing in mind, if you turn down an £850,000 transfer fee for Freddie Ladapo, what do you think he and his agent are going to be doing? Well, exactly. They're going to be saying, hang on a minute, yeah. I want to pay right here. And the, the, <laughs> from what we've seen with Freddie in the last couple of weeks of the season as well, it doesn't seem that he's the sort of player that's easy to, to, to manage. It's a, t- it's a tough so. one because I... I there's no, no really right or wrong answer. No, no there's and, not. And I feel, no, I feel for a club in these scenarios, because you're right, you either sell the player, make some money, but then you get fans annoyed, me included, as a fan, that you're selling our best, our best players, where's your ambition? But then you don't make the money, you can't reinvest, and then you have to settle for worse players. It's, it's a tough, tough running, you know. God knows what happened. Freddie Adepo might get injured after two games. Exactly. Well, the interesting, if we go to Kerry, for example, Argyle could have sold him and made good money on him a few years ago. He's now out of contract in the summer. It looks likely that he's going to go, and Argyle find themselves back in League Two. So it's... The thing with Kerry is there is this talk that there's a, an option in his contract uh, that the club might be able to take up. So we've never had that confirmed, but there is that talk around. So there is the possibility that 
Argyle could activate an option, apparently. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, Graham Carey will be on a good wage, and now Argyle are a League Two club now. Mm. And then, you know, do you keep him? Do you exercise that option? But then do you keep a player who might think, I don't really want to be playing in League Two? And can you justify paying that sort of money to one player when you, you could probably do with as many resources as possible to put into the rest of the squad? Because unfortunately, Paddy, I think we're going to see another summer of lots of changes, aren't we? Because there's, there's going to be lots of players moving this summer, clearly. Well, we were saying earlier, there's already one person who's put on Instagram this morning, thanks for everything, and that he's on his way, and that was Jamie Ness. So that's already... It's already beginning. The players yeah. are starting to leave already. I think the back four needs completely redeveloping. There's not, I don't think there's anyone in the back four that started on Saturday that I'd want to keep, except for maybe Thrill Curl, but he's, got, he's gone back on loan. He's so. got two years left on his contract. So that raises an interesting point then, Paddy and, and Jack. You're Argyle fans. Mm-hmm. Out of the current squad, who do you really want to see at Argyle next season? So give us four or five names of players that you'd really want to see there. Kerry, Lamirez, Ladapo. Yeah. <laughs> and how many of those are realistic, do you think? Well, I, I think you've got to keep at least one of them. Mm-hmm. The, they are the names that get put on the back of shirts by the fans. And I think if you take that away, yeah. the, your three best players, that's really going to upset a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I'd take those three out of the team. Yeah. Who's the best player on the squad? That's what I asked the question. Not <laughs> 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 it's it's a really good point there. Yeah. I mean, you know, who's who's fourth in line with the yeah, names? Who's fourth the in line? Well, the fact that the fact that Jan Songa came so close when he played the season, and this is no disrespect to Jan because I think he's been brilliant this season. Mm. But mm. when you've got the likes of Limiris, Ladapo, Carey, David Fox, even Ryan Edwards, who was great in League Two, if if Jan Songo, who was playing a you know a defensive mm. holding position which is never that popular yeah. with fans as such. You'd never normally get a defensive midfielder getting a player of the year. Mm. To be within 3% of our Plymouth Live vote, mm. that says a lot about this season. And again, no disrespect to Jan Songo, but he should not be our second best player no. of the season. No. No, in my I, I, again, take Paddy's point, I think the best you're going to get is one out of those three. Yeah. Um, I think realistically, and then, I do think realistically. But, but take away one. those three, who else do you want to see stay at Argyle? Definitely Jan Songo. Mm. The, I, the passion he's had, he was coming up to the Devonport at the end of the game uh, this week and a couple of weeks ago and he was clapping and he was apologising mm. you know he's he is a part of the club now and I think he's he's very passionate about this club and that's something that I love to see and um, yeah just just someone who actually wants to be here mm. it's hard to get players to come to Devon and if they love Devon and they love Plymouth and they and they love being here then that's part of it and I th- you know just anyone that can that can do that. The point, the point is, is that I think that if you take away the three names that you've given Anyan Songo, I'm not sure there's that many people will be clamouring for other players to stay. I, I do think we're, we're a new manager could come in and literally have like not a blank canvas, but not be far away from that. So, what I would say is the likes of Safari Moore and Smith Brown might do well in League Two. I, th- yeah. I think there are players in there. They've not. From, I'm quite critical of Macy's and they're under contract a bit of a hypocritical here mm. but yeah they're both under contract there is a player in them Kevin Nanskefield said, he, mm. said as much when he's watched them so mm. we, we need to not forget that we are going to be a league lower mm. and I think maybe the likes of, of them might do well and I think Lloyd Jones I think there's something about him he's not played much football he's been thrown at a deep, in, in an Argyle squad in the deep end when they're conceding goals left right and centre I think there's a player there and I don't think he's going to play for Luton if, if they want to release him I know I think he's got a year left on his contract if you could settle up that somehow and get him in, I don't think that would be a bad signing either. Mm. I think there needs to be realism. And also, it's about how much players are on. Yes, Shansong has been well this year, 
if he's on quite a decent wage, is he that, that good enough in League Two when your budget's tight? I think that would be a big play. You say factor. that there are players in the squad, though, who can perform in League Two, and you said Smith Brown and you said Tafari Moore. Both of those players played at the start of the season in the Chaka Trade Trophy against Swindon and they were run all over and we lost three. But you can say that about Carey has been poor in the Chaka Trade Trophy, Ruben Lemirez has been poor in the Red Chaka Trade Trophy. Any player has been poor. Argyle have barely won any games in the Chaka Trade Trophy over the last few years. Mm. But I take your point. I'm not saying they will be good, mm. but I think there's potential and I think realistically you're not going to be getting good players on great wages. So you've got to try and spread the budget accordingly. Mm. And that's why I also think I spoke to you that I think if it was up to me I think Cooper will be my first choice yeah, next year Levin will be a backup two keepers are not particularly high wages you'd imagine and therefore the money can be spent elsewhere I don't see the point in bringing in a keeper on a high wage when you've got those two that might sign mm. yeah, yeah I think the keeper situation is an interesting one um, because Michael Cooper came on, on on Saturday and we're skirting all sorts of subjects here today aren't we? but <laughs> you know he came on and in a difficult circumstance he's, he, he composed himself he, he did a really good job he made a good save right at the end of the game um, but he he looked the part, and yeah, he he needs to be, if he's not the first choice keeper at the start of the season, and he is only nineteen, and how many first choice keepers are nineteen? But if he's not, he needs to be being told that you've got a very good chance of you know getting a an opportunity. So um, and again, you can't carry three goalkeepers in League Two. You know, that's, you know if you had Cooper and Leverin, I mean, Leverin didn't do bad when he came in. I don't mm-hmm. think, I don't think those two. If you can spend the money then elsewhere, I don't yeah. think those I, are bad two. This have. is where I'm coming from. I think Jack is that basically there is going to be a limited pot of money to spend on this squad, and while it would be nice to have some nice shiny bright things to have to play with, you know, are you not better having? And this is where I, I suppose having watched Argyle over the years, Argyle tend to do better when they are a team and a collective rather than some individuals very good individuals and then everybody yeah. else you run and the risk as well then if that key player gets injured yeah. is out for two three four months results suffer and the season and, goes to pot I think that you know Ladapo, Carey and Lemiris are good players very good players and they've done good jobs for Argyle but Carey was not the same player this year as he was in previous seasons Lemiris has had fantastic spells of seasons but hasn't proved that he can do it over the course of the season for whatever reason and Freddie Ladapo has got 19 goals which is fantastic but it's ended up in a relegation relegation uh, cause and do Argyle need to try and mould a squad a, a bit like you were saying Paddy you know that people that want to be here mm. and that, that buy into the club and it means because you look at that Paul Sturrock promotion sort of winning teams you know, David Norris was back at, uh, on Saturday. Loved being yeah. back. Loved being part. Roman Larrier was there. There's lots of people from that period of time. There were a lot of messages of yeah. support from all exactly. of those players Because as well. the club means something to them. And yeah. I'm not sure, and this isn't meant to be a really nasty criticism of the current squad, but I'm not sure in 10 years' time there'll be messages of support coming from some of the current squad for Argyle. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they've quite bought into what it means to play for Argyle. Yeah. And, you know on the script here we've got Stu sort of sort of going back to script but I mean the atmosphere the, the you know the chance to play in front of 12,000 fans in an atmosphere like uh, Saturday Paddy I mean you know you were in the, the Devonport end mm-hmm. the, the atmosphere was great when those players came out they should have been proud to have that Argyle uh, badge on their shirt shouldn't they they should have been and I think having the dressing rooms right next to the Devonport stand at the minute I think they would have heard the noise because mm. at the bar Half an hour before the game, it was buzzing. There was so many people jumping up and down, singing. There was beer everywhere. It was, yeah, it, it was it was incredible. I've not seen an atmosphere like that in Home Park 
probably in 15 years since we won the league in 2004. Mm. And even going back two or three years when we were at Wembley, mm. the atmosphere was nothing like that. I think that's because the people that went to Wembley were there for the Wembley experience, not for the Argyle experience. They were there to watch a team get promoted. Yeah. On Saturday, you had a lot of people there who were there for Plymouth, mm. who were there for Argyle, who were getting behind the squad and, and really showing what it means to them to be in League One, to be a bigger football club than what we're now going to be in League Two. And we need more of that. We need it every week. Did the kickoff time help? Five thirty. Obviously, everyone's had a did. chance for a few beers. Yeah, I and... think so. I think so. I mean, I don't. Th- you're not going to get a five thirty kickoff every week, no, of here, but but I think having it at five thirty meant that there were a lot more people able to come down as well as wanting to come down yeah. and making a whole day of it. I mean, we certainly did. Oh, so. I was going to say the other thing to bear in mind for League Two as well is I think you with League Two you can get promoted by having quite a pragmatic and I think Derek Adams showed he had a team that worked well together he didn't do any frills and spills a lot of the time mm. I think John Sheridan got a quite an average team into the playoffs I do think there's something to be said for having players that can do their jobs I don't think you need frills and spills to get promotion yeah. for League Two No that's, that's, that's a really good point actually just going back to the atmosphere on Saturday um, obviously Jack what part of the ground are you in? Lindhurst You're in the Lindhurst mm-hmm. Paddy, you're in the, in the Devonport end. How did you guys keep in contact with what was going on elsewhere? Just out of interest. Well, I had my phone, but the signal kept jamming up. I, kept, <laughs> I, I almost felt like there should be one designated person on the phone <laughs> to the signal. So and let they the just shout out when there's been a goal. And that's what I would have liked, because I kept thinking, get off your phone, because now our mind's not working. So you want to be that one person? Didn't you? Yeah, well, <laughs> I was trying to get a bit closer towards the media so I could use the Wi-Fi, but it didn't quite work. But you could, there would have been people in the ground, not only I don't know the one of you, Paddy, but there would have been people listening to the radio, I'm sure, where they would have yeah. got it straight away but you could tell I mean when when there was that, that there was that cheer um, when Sunderland got a penalty and everyone was like has that been scored yet we like, don't know if it's been scored but they've got one <laughs> and then there was a second cheer and you know they equalised and and that's great but then it is it is awful isn't it Paddy when it goes deadly silent and like it was three minutes before the full time on, on Saturday on yeah well we were getting updates from the people around us because like I say everyone's trying to use their phones so we thought you know what if someone finds out we're going to hear within 10 seconds anyway I don't need to be the first yeah. to know as long as I know and, we're, and then yeah we heard the cheer and I was turning around going to all the people what's happened what's happened they were like oh it's the South End game and I was like yes but what's happened <laughs> like oh they've scored I was like yes and, um, and then yeah it just went silent and I was like oh no this doesn't sound good mm. I looked in front of me and there was mm. some lad looking at the score and it said 2-1 and I just remember sitting back in my seat and thinking here we come League 2 I remember thinking at that point I was, I was thinking come on Bradford come on Bradford get a goal get a yeah. goal and I, I, I honestly I lost because I just had my phone up and I was just swiping refresh constantly and I must have done it about over a thousand times during that game <laughs> that's all I was I honestly didn't watch much of the Argo game at one point so all, I thought, this doesn't matter what's going on here anymore you should have just stayed at Overwatch that's like Saturday <laughs> it, shouldn't you really? but it's true it didn't, at that point when it was 3-2 it didn't matter what was going on at Argo unless they conceded again yeah. all, you know, we needed things to happen elsewhere and that's all I really cared about at that mm. point but you're right the atmosphere for me felt like a playoff sort of game it didn't feel like no not at all until until the final whistle so obviously our goal have gone down um what next for our goal, Chris? I mean, you, you had a really interesting chat with Simon Hallett, the chairman, before the game. Yeah. What can you tell our goal fans in terms of what he wants in terms of a first-team manager? In the first-team manager, he is looking for a, a modern, forward-thinking manager. He's looking uh, to make an appointment as soon as possible, he said, which I think is important because there's lots of decisions that we've already touched yeah. on to be to be made by the new manager. Uh, it was interesting. I asked him, what qualities are you looking for? And... Uh, he said a, a lot like Derek had. And so 
that sort of goes back to the point that I really don't think the club wanted to replace Derek Adams. I think they were happy with him as manager, um, but circumstances dictated that they felt that they could no longer do that. But uh, I think a lot of the sort of uh, the attributes that Derek Adams, Adams had as a manager, they will look to try and find in, in his successor. Um, he didn't rule out uh, hiring somebody who's already at another club. Um, now we didn't go into names, you know. Uh, he's not going to tell me names of people that may or may not be on, on his wish list. But for example, you know, Graham Cockburn is one of the favourites in the betting. Uh, he is employed by Bristol Rovers. He's got two years left on his contract. So if you wanted to get somebody like him, you would have to pay compensation to Bristol Rovers, mm. um, if they were agreeable to, to even talk to you on that basis. So, um, so I thought that was an interesting line. Although obviously, you know, the more money you spend out in compensation in terms of hiring somebody at another club and then uh, paying off Derek Adams and, and Paul Watton, you know, it dilutes the uh, the amount of money that's available elsewhere, doesn't it? So, um, so interesting conversation with him. There's a few other snippets as well that, um, um, or a few good lines to come out of the interview that I had with him. Um, so we'll make sure we bring them to you on the Plymouth yeah. web, Live website. So make sure you keep looking out because there's plenty to come from him and... Uh, and all the sort of fallout because, you know, as we've discussed around this table right now, there are so many Absolutely. Um, questions and that we need answers to. Yeah. Paddy, you'd be interested there, no doubt, that um, Chris mentioned they're looking for someone like Derek Adams. Because when I spoke to you last week and you said about coming on the show, you, you were keen to point out that you were very much a pro-Derek Adams fan, weren't you? I was. Uh, I, I've always liked Derek Adams because of the fact that he's had no budget, but he got us to a playoff final. Yeah, we didn't win it, but we got there. We then got automatic promotion. We then made a push for a playoff run last year. And he's done all of that with a budget of zero. And every player that he's brought in, he's brought in on either a free transport or a loan. And that's something that we're going to have to do again next year now, unless, like you say, we sell Freddie Lalapo, we get some money and we spend a bit of it. But we're not going to buy every player we bring into this club. We are going to end up getting some free agents. But, but more importantly, we are going to end up having to get quite a few loan players. And I think if you're getting a manager in with the intention to loan, you're going to want someone who's got a big name that you're going to be comfortable sending your loan players to. You're not just going to, if you're a Premier League manager and you're sending your young talent to get first team experience, you're not going to send them to some nobody who's young and vibrant and has their own style of football. You're going to send them to someone who you know you can trust as a manager. And I think Ian Holloway is that person for me. You bring him in, he's proven that he can win championship he can manage in the Premier League he can he can do all of that and I think if you bring him in you know the name Ian Holloway and if you know the name you're going to be more comfortable sending your players to him I think if you're sending your players to League 2 and you're sending them all the way down south to Plymouth miles from home and it's to a manager you don't know you're going to feel a lot less comfortable than you would do if you had a name like Ian Holloway Jack mm. you want Ollie didn't you? Holloway Cockland with my with my with my two. Yeah, I would like Ian Holloway back. But from what Chris has said that Simon Hallett's described, it possibly rules him out of the equation maybe, but I I loved Ian Holloway when he was the first time round and I hated him after he left because I loved him so much. And that, you know, that's that's, that's part the truth that's of part of management. Yeah. You know, I think any manager would rather be hated than no one cared whether they've left or not. So and uh, maybe I am finally willing to forgive him if, if he came back because he, he, he brought so many memories. But then I do understand the people that would argue you need to keep moving forward, not always look back at, you know, because you see fans, and I'm guilty of doing it, oh, let's bring back Neil Warner, let's bring back 
Ian Holloway, let's bring back former players to play again the, you know, next season. Yeah. And it's, it's always about looking back at what was good. And just because he was good once doesn't mean he would be in, in, in League Two with, with very little budget. But Paddy's right, he's a big name. I think he would get sort of get the fans together again. I think you sort of need that camaraderie, which I think was lost under Derek Adams. Do you think the fans would come together? That, well, that's the interesting I thing do, because I there think, is some division, sure. isn't The feedback I get is that there's, there's a lot, of, I can't quantify it, yeah. but it seems to me there's a lot of people out there that would be against it. There is. So I'm not sure that's going to bring unity. But I honest. think once he was hired and started mm. coming out with his sound bites and started, I think he's got a way to bring fans together. And I think more people like me, like I have done, mm. would start to think, okay, he's back now, we'll support him. And I think that would, that would snowball. Yeah, you're right. I think it is, I think you said 50 50 or maybe 60 40 possibly yeah. from what we see on social media. But well, I, I do think that would, that would snowball. What we were saying earlier, though, about players loving the club. Mm. Ian Holloway loves the club. He's been putting on Instagram for the last couple of weeks <laughs> messages of support and yeah. how he loves it. And that, that's something that you need in a manager as well as the players. I, I get that. But even he would admit that he walked out on the club. He did, yeah. Um, so it's... it's I, People were allowed to make mistakes, though. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong, I was very unforgiving. As yeah. you know, you've had to be fair, Ollie has said, you know, yeah. it is my regret, I am sorry. And he said that I before did. this job came yeah. up. He's not only yeah. just started saying And it. he's definitely being genuine about yeah. that. Yeah, you know, I, I'm sure I, he would say, if he was here now, if I could turn the clock back, I would do things differently. And I don't doubt that for a minute. And fans, you know, I, I mean, I can't believe Jack, I'm hearing Jack saying in Holloway for manager. I mean... <laughs> I didn't think I'd say it. I remember, I remember, I remember, I remember us phoning him when John Sheridan yes. left, yes. And, he, and he gave me a few choice words when he found that I was bringing, bringing him up to speak to him. And obviously, he hadn't sort of found that mellow space in his life. But I, I know he likes to paint as well now, so he's obviously calmed down. Yeah. But you know, I just, I, I, you are right, Chris. Definitely, he divides opinion. But I do think that once he came here, once he came, once in, he was unveiled at a press conference, he would get yeah. everyone going. And I think even some, not not all of them, but mm. a good majority of those would think, do you know what? He's here now. Let's let's back this. So, you say the right things. Someone that unites the fan base, someone that fits the profile that Simon Hallett wants, of Simon. being young, vibrant. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily a modern and forward thinking. Yeah, modern so, I mean, forward thinking manager. So, yeah, not uh, the, one of the phrases he used, and it is in the article. Please read it if you if you get a chance. Is he doesn't want an old school manager. Yeah. You know, somebody who goes around kicking the players to make them work harder. I think was the phrase he used, and. Uh, so it's got to be somebody, you know, Simon Hallett comes from an American background, so I think somebody that data analytics and things like that, you know, uh, intrigues him as well. It's, it's not solely going to be him, I should add, making the appointment. I mean, I'm sure he will have a large input in it because he's the majority owner and the, the chairman. But there is going to be a, a panel of people that, you know, draw up the shortlist and do the interviews and uh, name checks for the new chief executive, Andrew Parkinson, who starts work today, Monday. He's a... Uh, now officially in place as Argyle's chief executive. Quite a start for him then. <laughs> Quite a start for him. Zach Newton, who's the Argyle's football secretary, but also the head head of HR. Um, you know they're going to have a large input. So Michael Dunford, who who now is no longer chief executive, but is vice chairman. So those three, along with other board members, are all going to have uh, an input. But clearly, Simon Hallett is the owner and yeah. chairman, and so. You know, a lot of what he's so. looking for is, is, is going to come from him. But if we're talking names, as we say, some mm. of that will unite the fan base, mm-hmm. uh, forward thinking, yep. and modern. Mm. Surely it's Graham Cochran, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, he would definitely unite the fans. See, when they came down, when Bristol came down mm. this year, he got nothing but applause from the Argyle fans. Mm. They loved him. And mm. I think if he was to come here and manage, they'd give him a lot of support. And I think that's something that the club's definitely going to need, especially when we're coming down the league. You're going to want to unite the fan base 
because Derek Adams did nothing but split it for the last couple of years I think mm. and um, yeah I, th- I think someone to come in like you say. The good, the good thing about Cochrane is when you speak to him, even after the Bristol Rovers game, when he talks about Argyle, his face lights up. And you know, compare it to Derek Adams, who did a lot of good here. His face was always very still. He never really showed much emotion in his face, and I think that's how he wants to play as a manager, and that's totally his choice. But when when Graham Cochrane speaks about Argyle, he can't. He almost can't hide that passion. You see it, it comes out of him. You can see it in how he says it, um, and that would definitely unite fans. But it's a risky appointment. I mean. Every, every appointment's risky, I suppose, because yeah. you don't know the scenario. But he's had very limited experience in management and he's done well with Bristol Rovers, a settled group of players. If you've got a rebuild in League Two, and Ian Holloway hasn't had much experience in League Two, so, you know, it's, uh, yeah. there's never one clear right person to do the job. And that's a tough It's going to be a risk, whoever they appoint. Yeah. because you just... I, I still go back. I, I like the idea of Daryl Clark and Paul Hurst. I don't know all the ins and outs of them. So, clearly, you know, you want to interview them and speak to them. But on, on the face of it, they, to me, fit the sort of uh, criteria that... Uh, that Simon Hallett is, is looking for. Mm. Would so, fans be happy with that though? You well, think? you don't always have to have a, a big name. You need to appoint the right man. I mean, Derek Adams, very, very few people knew Derek Adams when he was appointed as Argyle manager. And I would you know, say for three and a half years, he was a, a very successful manager for Argyle. So um, there are no guarantees when you come to an appointment manager. It's, it's almost a bit of a toss of a coin sometimes, isn't yeah. it? The fact is every manager's been right sacked at some point. Or not. Yeah. Um, so those are two names that I would sort of be, be looking at but the thing know. is with the likes of Daryl Clark and Paul Hurst would I be excited when I heard that news no if they then said the right thing and then results start to follow I'd build as a fan I'm talking about mm. I'd buy into it um, Ian Holloway Graham Cock would excite me from the off mm. um, the, the other two would not but results dictate the yeah. feelings and if you say, they say the right things and sign some players that you might get a little bit excited about I'm not saying you know marquee players but with okay records at that level yeah. and Daryl Clark knows League 2 you know he, he took over Bristol Rovers they went down to the National League when he took over late he brought them back up got them up into, the ch- uh, into League 1 so his pedigree is good and sometimes as a fan I think you need to remind yourself about it's not just about the personality it is about more than that yeah absolutely Right, well, watch this space and we'll see what happens in the coming days and weeks. It sounds as though it's going to be a quick appointment though, doesn't it, Chris? Simon Howlett said as soon as possible. So, yeah. I mean, he didn't want to be tied to a specific date, but um, you know, we've, we've spent this time talking about there's lots to be done, isn't there? You know, mm-hmm. And um, the sooner they can get a manager, and you don't want to li- rush into it completely and make completely the wrong choice, but there's enough people working on it and there's no reason in this day and age why you can't get interviews done pretty quickly and uh, sort things out I'd, I'd like to think something would be done uh, within the next couple of weeks I don't know if that's will happen but I, I, I don't see any reason you why hope so because you're off on holiday so well, there's, there's that as well <laughs> but I think, I'm, I think I'm thinking from the club's point of view I yeah, think you know, you know there's, there's all sorts of turmoil the last 10 days what the club now needs is to get somebody in charge get a structure in place and right how are we going to plan for next season? Yeah. And there's so many questions to be answered that you know you can't really leave it till June, I don't think. Well, you need something to sell to fans to buy season tickets because at the yeah. moment there is nothing really because you don't know if your best player's going to be here, you've got no manager, you need something to start selling to fans as to why you come back next year. And yeah. of course, there'll be the diehards that will, but you still need that selling point. Absolutely. And Paddy, no doubt you'll be there next year. 100%. Good <laughs> man. I still haven't renewed my season ticket, but I've got six days left before the early bird process finished, so... Let's see if we get a manager in the next week, shall we? Yeah, indeed. Well, brilliant. Thanks ever so much. Paddy, thanks for coming in. in. Paddy, yeah, absolute pleasure. Always welcome. Thanks for coming in. And we'll be back with more of the same 
next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at Herald PAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.